Chapter 47 Bad Investments Dibble flew backward off the porch and landed on his spine in the middle of the concrete walkway. Then he began screaming in earnest. Sergeant Frost called an ambulance. Crotty cuffed Felix and locked him in the back of the squad car. Despite Nix's assertions that Felix hadn't done it on purpose and was only defending her. The good news was that Dibble wasn't paralyzed. The other good news was that Sergeant Frost didn't actually kill his son. It was a close call on both accounts. It turned out Dibble owned the Avendroth mansion and lived in a nearby cabin. Apparently, he had noticed the kids on bikes headed toward his property and immediately called the police. Naturally, he didn't believe that the real criminals came and went on the dirt road behind the mansion. Nix and Jordan spent the rest of the afternoon outside Dibble's hospital room. Jordan wrote up a statement while Nix got her head bandages checked by a helpful doctor. We should separate them, see if their stories match, Crotty suggested carefully. He obviously didn't want to offend his superior by accusing his son outright. Dibble, however, had no such reservations. Yeah, like what color this magical car was that just appeared and disappeared without any tire tracks? He winced and glanced at the morphine drip, as if resenting its lack of urgency. Jordan waited for his dad to get a notepad. It was a 72 Mustang convertible. Light blue with chrome trim, rust spots on the lower fenders, with the front left hubcap missing. License plate NQR843. And there were tire tracks. They spun out in their rush to leave. Mr. Dibble's eyebrows knitted. Nix noticed the smallest hint of a grin on Sergeant Frost's face, but it quickly disappeared. Did you see them? Sergeant Frost asked. He used his My Son Receives No Special Treatment voice. In other words, he sounded like McGuckin. Jordan cast a sideways glance at Nix. Just the driver, but Nix saw there were five boys between 19 and 20. Also a girl. They came running out after they set Felix on fire. Sergeant Frost and Crowdy's eyebrows shot up in unison. They set Felix on fire? Sergeant Frost repeated. Nix nodded gravely. We couldn't call you because none of the phones work in this house. She really hoped that was the case. They hadn't actually tried the phone. We'll run the plate, Sergeant Frost said. That should give us some answers. Unless it was stolen, Crotty added. Nix shuffled her feet. I think they were smoking marijuana or something. Officer Crotty gave Nix a look of amused pity. The fact remains, Dibble pointed a grubby finger at Nix. When we got here, we found you in the house, not a bunch of mysterious hoodlums. How do we know the drugs weren't yours? The fact that Nix can't tell crack from marijuana, Sergeant Frost said, is enough to clear her of having smoked it. The older kids are probably responsible for the water and fire damage as well. Water damage? Nix hadn't gone back into the master bedroom with the officers. Had the ice melted and made a mess? An image of broken glass and wet carpet swam to the front of her mind. That morning, at the end of August, had she done the ice thing in her sleep? Could rapid temperature change break glass? Seemed kind of far-fetched. Of course it couldn't be your son, Dibble said. What were they doing up here in my house, then, if you don't mind me asking? Sergeant Frost stepped toward Dibble's bed. I think we already established they were looking for a phone to call the police. And as for what they were doing up on the hill, I intend to find out myself. But as far as you're concerned, it's none of your business. Dibble struggled to meet Sergeant Frost's eyes, but the metal-hard brace prevented him from moving his neck. 
What do you mean it's none? We'll make sure someone pays for the damage, Sergeant Frost said, his voice soft and dangerous. In the meantime, I suggest you look into getting some bars installed. Dibble mumbled something nasty about the quality of police protection in small towns and turned on the TV. Officer Crotty, Sergeant Frost said, why don't you check on the detainee? Find out if the doctors want to keep him overnight. Crotty's shoulders scraped the sides of the doorframe on the way out. Sergeant Frost ushered Nix and Jordan into the hallway. His eyes bore into their skulls. Now you're going to tell me why you brought your nine-year-old sister up the hill when you were grounded. Looking for Mr. Avendroth's shoes, Nick said. Sergeant Frost's expression didn't change. You rode your bikes six miles uphill to steal someone's shoes. Jordan remained quiet, seemingly content to let Nix find her way out of this one. We only wanted to get his shoe size, Nick said, to see if he was the one that killed Sarah's dog. What makes you think it was Alex? Nix was confused for a moment, then realized Alex must be Mr. Avendroth's first name. A few weeks ago, Sarah got a voicemail from someone claiming to be Quincy Abendroth. He told her his dad was looking for her, and that she should get out of Woods Cross before it was too late. Jordan glanced at her. Yes, she knew it had been a prank, but it didn't hurt to muddy the water a bit, make their motivation more realistic. Sergeant Frost's face relaxed into a tired expression. Did he say why Mr. Abendroth was looking for Sarah? It was obvious Sergeant Frost suspected the true nature of the call. Mr. Abendroth is looking for Quincy, Nick said, and he thinks Sarah knows where he is. I'll give Mr. Hainsworth a call, Sergeant Frost said, but this wouldn't be the first time they received crank calls about Quincy. They still don't know who killed her dog, Jordan said. Brian told us one thing, but we're 95% sure he made it up to get attention. Amy spied them in the hall and abandoned the nurse's station to hang on her dad's pocket. Sergeant Frost put his arm around Amy. If it'll put your minds to rest, I'll take you by the station and get you Alex's shoe size. Jordan snapped to attention. He has a criminal record? Fingerprints and everything? Yes, we have fingerprints, shoe size, and everything, Sergeant Frost said. I'm sure Town Hall still has his information on file along with his uniform orders. Uniform orders, Jordan said. Mr. Abendroth worked for the city? Sergeant Frost scratched his stubble. Alex Abendroth was one of the best police officers Woods Cross ever had. Chapter 48 Call 911 Size 11 and a half, not even close, Jordan handed next the tattered form. With the stacks of folders and papers lying around, the police station seemed more cramped than Nix's trailer. That, coupled with the dim yellow lighting, made the whole place seem like a tiny underground bunker. Okay, you've seen it. Sergeant Frost snatched the order form and placed it back in the puke green filing cabinet. Now you're going straight home to sit in your room. My room? Jordan asked with an injured expression. For how long? I haven't decided, his dad said, anger beginning to color his voice again. Let's start with two weeks. Two weeks? What about school? You're allowed school, rehearsal, and bathroom. Every other second of the day, you'll be sitting in your room with the door shut. What about when I have to watch Amy? Jordan asked almost smugly. I'll be moving her TV and game consoles into your room tonight. You should be quite cozy in there while I'm at work tomorrow. Ew, Amy said. Jordan's room smells like feet. Jordan stormed out to the car. 
The best friendy thing to do would be for Nix to join in Jordan's silent brooding, but there was too much to learn about Woods Cross's most famous and mysterious resident. The entire way home, she bombarded Sergeant Frost with questions about Mr. Abendroth's history, home life, and especially about the day he disappeared. Despite Jordan's disgruntled expression, Nix could tell he was listening intently to Sergeant Frost's answers. Don't forget, Nix said, when they were almost to the cherries, you're going to check the plates. I know those boys are the ones that beat up Ms. Winkle, and you saw what they did to poor Felix. Sergeant Frost nodded, but it was obvious he didn't enjoy instruction on how to do his job. We'll try to find those boys' names and let you know, Nix added as a peace offering. When they dropped Nix off in front of the Cherry's bright yellow house, Jordan even gave her a jolly farewell before remembering to be mad. Nix sighed and stepped out of the car. Jordan and his dad were something else. If they ever got over pretending to be furious, they might actually get along. Nix had only been home a half hour when a sleek black car with tinted windows pulled up to the house. Mrs. Cherry answered, then called Nix down. Sorry to drop in on you so late the suited man said to Nix from the doorway. Traffic from D.C. was worse than usual. He removed a hat to reveal black hair peppered with gray. Nix offered a polite smile. Who was this guy and why had he driven from D.C. to visit her? The man gestured toward her bandages. Are you feeling up to answering a few questions? I'm fine. Within a few minutes, Nix sat across the table from Agent Lip with two mugs of herbal tea untouched next to him. Nix wondered if Mr. Cherry would be upset to find them sitting in his mystic parlor when he got home from work. She envisioned him storming in and turning Agent Lip into a crawdad. Is something funny? Agent Lip asked. Sorry, I was just thinking about a dream I had. He stared at her for a moment. Do you know why I'm here? Nix could think of at least a dozen reasons, but didn't want to tip him off by being specific. She shook her head. I spent this morning speaking with Brett Frost. Do you know who that is? My friend's dad. Your friend Jordan? Nix nodded. Where was this going? He seems to think you're an honest and reliable girl. Nick scratched her arm. He said that? He couldn't be more wrong. He told me I could ask you any question and you would tell me the truth. Is that right? Nix could see the setup coming a mile away. But what could she do? I'll try. Agent Lip drummed his finger on the table in a vaguely aggressive manner. He didn't say you'd try. He said you aren't a liar and wouldn't lie. Are you a liar? Why didn't he just get on with it? Not usually. Agent Lip's expression grew severe. No, Nick said. I'm not a liar. I won't lie to you. And saying that was going to make lying to him all the harder. It seemed this interrogator knew his stuff. I've been here fifteen minutes and no one has asked which government agency I'm from, or to see my badge. Nick stared at him. She assumed Mrs. Cherry had asked. Did he expect her to ask now? Small towns, I guess, leaving the doors unlocked and whatnot? She tried to smile, but was starting to wish she were back in the hospital listening to Dibble complain. Agent Lip pulled his wallet out of his pocket and flipped it open. A blue and gold shield and an ID card. Special Agent Gary Lip, U.S. Department of Homeland Security. First rule of identifying law enforcement. Don't put any stock in badges. You can get a fake from China in about two weeks or buy a hydraulic press and make some for your friends. Okay. If someone comes to your house claiming to be a law enforcement officer, 
Ask them politely to wait outside while you go in and call 911. Seriously? Unless you have the number to your regional FBI offices memorized? Nix cleared her throat. <clears throat> I'm not trying to be rude or anything, but could I ask what the point of all this is? Great question. That's the first indication you've shown that you're not a complete ignoramus. Thank you? Tell the 911 dispatcher your address and ask if any officers reported intent to make contact with you. If so, great. If not, ask them to send a real officer over to check things out. Nick sighed and leaned back in her chair. So, you want me to go call 911? For next time. Would I be telling you all this if I wasn't legitimately concerned for your well-being? You might if you wanted to quickly earn my trust. Gary slammed both hands down on the table. Yes, that's exactly the correct answer. Sergeant Frost was right about you. Despite the ridiculousness of it all, Nix felt a small rush of pride. The man wasn't attractive by any stretch of the imagination. He had crooked teeth and acne scars, but simply having an adult praise her so enthusiastically was a nice change of pace. She was debating whether she really ought to call emergency services when he craned his neck, as if to make sure no one was hiding around the doorway. Also, you should never be alone in a room with a man, no matter how much you trust him. But in this case, it's fortunate because I need to ask you some very important private questions. Red flashing lights went off in Nix's head. She glanced toward the entryway. If she called for Mrs. Cherry, would she come in time to tell me everything that happened the night of your prank on Fond de Chez at Sarah Hainsworth's residence? Spare no detail, and please don't lie to me. I want to hear everything, no matter how small or insignificant. Regardless of whether you think I'll believe you or not, as long as you promise to tell me the whole truth, I promise I will believe you. Nix felt like she'd fallen out of Jordan's hammock. Why would he phrase his request like that? Did he know something about her ability? Had Jordan told his dad? Did Sergeant Frost tell Gary everything? And that last claim to believe her sounded a lot like Ms. Winkle's assertion right before she laughed in Nix's face. Tell me what you're thinking, Gary said. Man, this guy was pushy. Please? Nix put a hand over her eyes to give herself time to think. Could she really tell this man the truth? He seemed weird enough that he might just believe her. What if he was actually a psychiatrist, tasked with gauging her sanity? She had told Jordan she didn't want to tell adults because she would lose autonomy over her powers. They would either force her to serve their own purposes or make it impossible for Nix to leave her body. Could a pacemaker do that? Nix looked Gary in the eyes. Why do you want to know? Gary smiled. Good question. Well, I can't tell you. Nix gave him a how convenient for you glare. What's my incentive to give up my secrets then? What if I don't want everyone and their dog to know what happened? Gary pressed his palms together as if preparing to pray. My Dotson is in Virginia, but I will ask your permission before I repeat any of your account. To anyone. Correct. Why did he mention that his dog was a Dotson? Did he know about Princess? And if I don't give you my permission? Then I'll persuade or bribe you until you do. Nix couldn't keep from smiling. This guy was a nut, but she really, really wanted to tell him the truth. She wanted to make him glad he drove up from D.C. to interview her. 